0: Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org.
1: Okay, welcome everyone. We'll get started. Um, I'm Noah Levine. Welcome to everybody, Uh, anybody that's here for the first time On this first Thursday, I want to remind everybody I like to begin by um, acknowledging that this is not a Refuge Recovery meeting. If you're looking for a meeting of Refuge Recovery, which are peer-led meetings, you're in the wrong place. (laughs) And um, uh, what you've tuned into uh, live or maybe you're watching later on YouTube is uh, this is an offering from Refuge Recovery World Services of a teaching, teacher-based Refuge Recovery World Services offering where I will give some Buddhist teachings, lead a meditation. We'll have some time for uh, discussion about it. And so much different than our peer-led meetings where nobody's um, uh, doing Q&A or giving teachings or anything like that. Hopefully, hopefully that's not happening in your refuge meetings. Um, for those first thursdays i just choose different topics you know that are associated with the buddha's teachings and what we're doing here how we're applying uh, buddhism to our process of healing and recovering from addiction and the suffering that addiction creates both in our lives and in the the world and in the the lives of people who care about us, care about the addict. And the topic tonight is loving kindness, um, what in the Buddhist word is metta. And so those of you who are familiar with Refuge Recovery and what we're doing, um, we break the meditations down into two categories. Mindfulness categories uh, and mindfulness leads to wisdom. Mindfulness leads to um, the wisdom of compassion and uh, the, the wisdom of non-attachment, the understanding that everything's impermanent, not so personal. And then the other category are, we, we call heart practices. And there are um, traditionally four heart practices, but we, we practice uh, five or six heart practices in Refuge. And that is loving kindness. What we're going to do tonight, and compassion, and appreciative joy, equanimity, and then also forgiveness and uh, tonglen, which is the um, another compassion practice. My understanding is that originally in the eightfold path, right? We're using the Buddha's eightfold path here in refuge. And if you, look, if you look at all of the early material on the Eightfold Path, he talks about the meditative practice of mindfulness, and then he talks about concentration practices. Technically, heart practices, uh, loving kindness, like we're going to do tonight, would be categorized as a concentration practice because you're reciting phrases in your mind and you're concentrating your mind on these phrases. And um, so you're creating... Um, Wholesome emotions, wise emotional states, kindness and friendliness. and um, But the, the actual function is you're concentrating on these three or four phrases that we say. But originally, all the Buddha taught was mindfulness. And the heart practices, the loving kindness teaching, didn't come until sometime after uh, the Buddha's enlightenment, the awakening. Um, and my sense was that originally he felt, oh, mindfulness is enough and it will lead to. He, he talked about his own experience. He said, I, I practiced mindfulness. I learned how to concentrate. I learned how to have open awareness and mindfulness. And it led to this feeling of loving kindness for all living beings. And it led to this feeling of compassion for myself and all living beings and uh, appreciation and uh, equanimity. But later, when he had hundreds of students and thousands of students, um, he started to give them more teachings and more technique, skillful means, and so this meta loving kindness teaching came about some some years after his awakening. Isn't part of the original eightfold path, but is classified as you know part of the eighth factor, the concentration meditation techniques that we do. So before we meditate, um, I'll share with you this uh, translation of the Sutta. Sutta is the Buddhist word for um, scripture, and it's the the sort of the ancient original teachings, as close as we can get to the original teachings of the Buddha Siddhartha Gautama 2,600 years ago. And so this is originally spoken in a language called Pali and then translated into Sinhalese, which is Sri Lankan, and then translated from Sri Lankan, Sinhalese uh, or Pali text sources into English. So it might not be completely accurate, of course, when people translate things, they can um, take liberties with, like, well, I think that word should say mean this or should mean that. Um, but this is as close as as we can get from this translation into English of the Buddha's words on loving kindness. And as you'll see, there's a meditation technique offered here, but it's much bigger than just the meditation technique. There's a whole bunch of Good advice, wise advice about how to live our lives. So the sutta starts with, this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties, and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety. May all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upward to the skies and downward to the depths, outwards and unbounded. Free from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or laying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding by not holding to fixed views. The pure hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires is not born again into this world. So we can reflect on that a little bit and I'll let's meditate and then we'll have some discussion and I'll share some of the pieces that I find inspiring and important about this sutta, this teaching on loving kindness. So find a way to sit that's upright and relaxed.
2: Allowing your eyes to be closed. Bringing your awareness into your body. Into the present time experience of sitting here listening. And this image from the Sutta of radiating kindness. What would it feel like to you to radiate kindness from your heart towards all living beings? inclining the mind, the heart, towards goodwill, friendliness, loving kindness.
1: This core meditation instruction that the Buddha offered us, wishing, In gladness and in safety, may
2: all living beings be at ease. Maybe just saying that in your mind,
1: this intention to radiate loving kindness in all directions, may all living beings be at ease.
2: Over and over, may all living beings be at ease, those near and far away, young and the old,
1: the wise and the unwise, even our enemies included in all living beings, the possibility of forgiveness, of compassion
2: and kindness towards those who are suffering as well as those who are not suffering.
1: And then coming back from this broad intention and aspiration towards all living beings, just come back to this living being right here, yourself, this body, this heart, this mind. Having suffered from addiction, radiate loving kindness towards yourself. Turn all of your love, all of your kindness unconditional acceptance and friendliness as much as you can in this moment towards yourself.
2: Even if you don't feel that way yet or mean it, it's just the intention, the willingness. When we say these three phrases to ourselves, May I be
1: happy. Let that land, that thought in your mind, whether you mean it or don't mean it yet. May I be happy.
2: And then saying to ourselves, may I be at ease. And you can make this your
1: own, you might say, may I learn to be at ease with myself just as I am. May I learn how to be at ease.
2: And the third phrase, may I be free from suffering. These are the three traditional phrases
1: that my teachers taught me. May I be happy. May I be at ease. May I be free from suffering. But you can find your own words. You can use these, borrow them. Or your own phrases that are loving and kind, friendly,
2: aspirational may i be happy may i learn to be happy content may i be at ease with myself just as i am with my mind with my body
1: with the difficulties and suffering of the past and the insecurity about the future. May I be at ease?
2: May I be free from suffering, the suffering of craving and clinging, suffering of addiction, the suffering of anger and aversion, resentments,
1: the suffering of self-centeredness, self-centered fear. May I be free from all these ways that I create suffering for myself, my cravings, my aversions, my self-centeredness.
2: May I learn to be free.
1: may I be happy, may I be at ease, may I be free. We focus the mind when other thoughts come in, we replace those thoughts with these simple aspirational phrases, may I be happy. Cut through the plan, the memory, the unworthiness that may arise, just come back to the next loving kindness phrase, may I be at ease.
2: May I be free from suffering slowly but consistently to yourself over and over. Imagine seeing yourself
1: through the eyes of unconditional love, the eyes of a benefactor, a teacher, a wise friend, guide,
2: who accepts you just as you are, who has compassion for your pain, appreciation for your joy, wishes you for for your happiness, for your ease, for your freedom.
1: trying to see ourselves the way that the Buddha would see us, an awakened being who would have no judgment,
2: only compassion.
1: And bring to mind the people in your life who have supported you, inspired you, you've benefited from knowing your association with, even those people that you've never met,
2: the books that have inspired you, the authors, the teachers. Send loving kindness. This category we call the benefactor. Just as I wish to be happy, I wish for your happiness. May you be at ease. May you be free from suffering. Extending loving kindness to the people who are somewhat easy to care about, to be friendly towards. Those who we appreciate already. And then expanding
1: to also include your friends and family, mixed. Some of our family members are quite challenging. Some are easier. Some of our friends are quite easy to love. Some are more
2: challenging. Bring to mind friends and family and send loving kindness to them. May you be happy. May you be at ease. May you be free from suffering. This universal, healthy desire for happiness, for well-being, for ease that we all share.
1: Now expanding, bringing to mind someone that you don't know. Maybe somebody here in the Zoom, someone that you've seen throughout your day. But the understanding that just like You, they wish for happiness. They're healing, trying to recover. This process of compassion, forgiveness. That we're all in together. Start sending loving kindness to a stranger. Someone that's not well known to you.
2: With the simple phrases, may you be happy, may you be at ease, may you be free from suffering.
1: now comes the more difficult part, which is expanding to include our enemies. Bring to mind some people who are difficult to love, who've harmed you in some way, annoy you. People that you resent, that you
2: judge. With the understanding that their difficulties are because of their confusion, their suffering, their ignorance.
1: the possibility of compassion. We extend the practice of loving kindness to free our own heart. This teaching that says, free from ill will. Let none wish
2: harm upon another.
1: Opening the heart to our enemies, to the difficult people in our lives, difficult people in this world. With the phrase is may you be happy may you be at ease
2: may you be free from the suffering
1: that you experience and even if it's caused harm to us this loving kindness as an aspect of forgiveness may you be free from suffering Maybe you have a whole bunch of difficult people. Don't get stuck on the inability to have compassion or kindness towards the people who've harmed you the most. Start with just the annoying people in
2: your life. Start with the easier ones. As we expand, remembering to
1: include yourself, your benefactors, your friends and family, all of the neutral people in our sangha, in our community,
2: people that you work with,
1: people in your neighborhood, and the difficult people in your life, start expanding in widening circles as we return to the Buddha's encouragement, wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings
2: be at ease. You can extend, radiate loving kindness to your neighborhood, your town, your city, To the east and to the west, north and south.
1: And if you can visualize, if you're a visual person, start to see the planet covering the whole planet
2: with goodwill, with compassion for all of the suffering, with appreciation for all of the joy, with an attitude of friendliness, towards all living beings. As you extend loving-kindness in all directions, including everybody here, practicing together right now.
1: Also let yourself receive it from yourself, sending yourself. And let yourself also recognize that there are over 50 people joining us live right now, sending loving-kindness to you. Breathe that in. These 50 people here, refuge recovery, sending you loving kindness right now. Wishing for your happiness.
2: Wishing for your ease. For your freedom from suffering. as we come to the last couple of minutes of our meditation practice. I'll remind
1: you that the Buddha once said we could search all realms of existence and never find anybody more deserving, more worthy of our love
2: and kindness than ourselves.
1: Many of us find ourselves to be the hardest person to love, And this practice is the gradual healing, the gradual awakening to learning to love ourselves again,
2: remembering our worth and our ability When you're ready, you can allow your eyes to open, bring your attention back to so the room you're in, to the screen, shifting, stretching, whatever feels good. Take a moment. Uh,
1: Just reflect on where you're at currently with this practice. Maybe for some of you, it's new. Some of you have been doing it in meetings. Some of you like loving kindness, and you're like, finally, permission to be kind and loving. And and some of you fucking hate loving kindness. (laughs) And you're like, oh, this is gross. (laughs) I don't know how to be kind to myself. I don't feel Worthy, And I certainly don't feel, you know, all that good at being kind towards others, like whatever your, you know, just that as much acceptance of ourselves, where we're at in the process. Um, This is a very central practice in refuge. It's been a very central practice in my life for the last over three decades. And I had a real developmental uh, process with it. Um, it took quite a while in the beginning to, um, you know, I, I had a lot of resistance. I, um, when I started, some of you have heard me say this before, uh, mindfulness was such a relief, like when I started mindfulness practice that simple breath awareness and learning to ignore my mind was such a relief because my mind was so insane and really filled with confusion and craving. And so bringing my attention to the breath, I was like, oh yeah, meditation helps. But then when I started doing loving kindness, I was like, this doesn't help. This makes me feel worse. (laughs) This makes me face all of my self-hatred and my resentments and my, you know, feels like inability to forgive and i went to my teachers and said like you know i'm doing it because you know you're telling me to do it and it's part of the buddha's teachings and i'm in right i'm buddhism makes sense i'm in but this is hard this this feels like it stirs up a lot of stuff and and you know kind of got this consistent like just keep trying and and um and that like it doesn't you don't even have to mean it yet just say the phrases and fake it till you make it is totally fine. That sort of attitude, like you don't have to. um, And then I saw like after doing it for a couple of years consistently, that it started to shift. And I started to uh, feel a bit more kindness towards myself and others. And a bit, you know, same thing with the forgiveness and the compassion. And and then it was very gradual, like in that first five, 10 years that I really started to mean it. And I really started to feel it. And if I would have given up, in the beginning and said, like, well, this doesn't work. I tried it. I tried it, it doesn't work, right? Have you ever heard that from somebody? Like, oh yeah, I tried to meditate. I can't meditate. <laughs> you know, like I tried to be kind. I, you know, it's it's a little bit like saying, you know, like, I can't play the violin. <laughs> I tried once or <laughs> I can't fly an airplane. You know, like you can learn, right? Meditation is a developmental kindness for most of us is a developmental skill, especially when it comes to being kind to our minds and to our emotions and, and, um, and this high, you know, bar that the, you know, the Buddha experienced and is teaching, which is uh, all living beings, even the most confused uh, beings are, are worthy of loving and kindness. And, and that in some ways, we do that for ourselves. The more, friendly we become, the more kind we become, the more compassionate, loving, forgiving, the less we suffer. So there is a sort of selfish aspect to this. Um, it's not just about being sort of fake nice to everyone. The, the healing, the recovery that we're doing for our own well-being, loving kindness. I, you know, I could make a strong argument is relapse prevention. Um, if we're not kind to ourselves, we might relapse. If we're not, if we hold on to a bunch of resentments towards others, that's the kind of shit that we drink, use, act out about. So this loving kindness process um, is integral to our recovery and, and just to our happiness. You do know, and I, I know uh, a whole bunch of people with really long-term abstinence that are fucking angry and miserable, <laughs> and uh, I don't know how the fuck they stay sober, stay you know, because they're so unhappy and miserable. And what we're trying to do in Refuge is not just abstinence, but freedom from suffering, true sense of happiness and well-being and contentment uh, that that the Buddhist path leads to if we practice this path. Loving kindness and mindfulness and all of it, the eightfold path, the renunciation, the inventories, being of service, going to meet, you know, if we do this thing, it leads to a sense of contentment and happiness and well-being, but we have to do the practices, even if they're really difficult in the beginning, they will get easier over the years. So much good stuff in that um, sutta, isn't there? I don't know if you've read it before, if you, you know, you can Google the Metta Sutta and you'll get different translations, but so, you know, so much more than just the meditation technique of may all beings be at ease. And then this way that we break it down into the categories, myself and my benefactors and, uh, you know, friends and family, neutral people in the, you know, it's so cool. Like when you go to a refuge meeting or whatever meeting, you know, wherever you just choose a stranger and send them loving kindness. He's like start doing that, that sort of neutral, just choose somebody at the grocery store or at the bank or in traffic. And just rather than that self-centered mentality that we're in most of the time, that altruistic wishing for the happiness and well-being of others will really shift your attitude. And I, I, I do it all the time and I encourage you to do it. There's three places in this sutta where the Buddha um, is alluding to the importance and necessity of forgiveness, where he says, um, let none deceive another. Right. So honesty. Right. Practicing the precepts, living a life of rigorous honesty, not deceiving each other. But then this thing about uh, forgiveness, let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. It's not that we're not going to experience anger, but not turning that into the sort of spite and um, you know hatred where we're like, I, I hope you get hit by a bus. I actually really hope that you get harmed because you've harmed me, or because you're harming the planet, or the world, or politically, or whatever it is that we're upset about. Freeing ourselves through forgiveness from wishing harm upon each other or any being. In any state, um, and then again, there's a further line where he says, "Free from hatred and ill will." We have to free ourselves from hatred and ill will, and it's really we have to. I like like free ourselves, like uh, extricate ourselves. Like hating is normal, and I hope you don't hear this as like uh, any blame or judgment that you hate because the human mind hates all by itself. (laughs) It's effortless to hate and to have ill will and to despise and to judge and to normal. That's the status quo for us human beings. Freeing ourselves from hatred is a really, really radical um, and very gradual process by doing these practices. May all beings be free from suffering, may all beings be at ease. And it's, you know, where the forgiveness and the compassion practices that we do all come together and connect. There's stuff in the, uh, you know, teaching here about being humble and not conceited, being contented and easily satisfied. And we can take that as a, a spiritual guidance, not just like you should be humble, but practice humility. Practice uh, being uh, contented, accepting what's offered, you know, but rather than being uh, so kind of like everything has to be the way that you want it to be all of the time, practice being easily satisfied, accepting what is not, con- not so self-centered conceited. So I mean mine, it has to be like the way I want it to be all of the time, more and more accepting this world as it is, as we, work for a positive change as we work to be of service as we
2: work to um
1: become better people kinder more loving people and you know there's certainly a place i sometimes i i pause because i i don't want contentment or uh ease to sound like complacency Because there's absolutely, you know, Buddhism is not about complacency and just accept it. it You know, sometimes acceptance sounds like, well, just become complacent. But acceptance and loving kindness as the foundation for action. This is the way it is. And from because it's like this and there's so much ignorance and confusion and suffering and addiction and, we have to take action. We're not going to just sit back and be complacent. We're going to get involved. We're going to be of service. How can I help? How can I be of service to you? How can I be kind? How can I be generous? How can I be loving, not complacent? I hope that makes sense. From that place of ease, of well being, out of compassion, we're engaged constantly. maybe enough i mean i could go on i I love this teaching um, and i encourage you to look deeper into it you know refuge recovery introduces you to the core teachings of the buddha the four noble truths and the eightfold path some of you are already buddhists and you already know this stuff and then you're coming to refuge some of you know nothing about buddhism and you're learning it you're like oh, okay cool a non-theistic buddhist approach to to recovery and, you know, I give you some of it in, in the refuge text, but there's more. There's more to be discovered, to be uncovered. Um, and it can be sometimes interesting to actually read the words of the Buddha, you know, and things like this of like, whoa, this is pretty close probably to what the guy actually said. And, uh, you know, 2,600 years ago, that's pretty interesting to look at and then take on as a practice, take on as our own guidance. I think I'll leave it there and open to Q and A uh, about loving kindness, about anything about the instructions or about how to how to do this in your life, and your recovery, and um, and then also if there's people who want to uh, share how it's benefited your recovery, um, how it actually has been relapse prevention. One of the things about like uh, the concentration practices is that your mind can be saying, "Hey, you should relapse." whether it's food or sex or money or drugs or alcohol, whatever, your mind can be saying that. And if you have a developed this practice, you can replace it. May I be at ease? May I be happy? May I be free? May I be at ease? May I be happy? Concentration replaces those cravings. And the craving can still be there in the background, but you can actually use a concentration practice to push that craving out of the mind, at least temporarily. The craving might come back, but you can replace one of the things that we do with concentration meditation is replace the, the thoughts. So any questions, if you have a question or a comment, you can raise your hand down here on the bottom and the reaction uh, button is where you raise your hand. I think, yeah, raise hand. And then I'll call on you if you'd like to chat about loving kindness or anything. If you wanna other things about refuge, we could go there, but let's try to keep it about loving kindness and our uh, a refuge recovery process, practice. Okay, Chris, go ahead, unmute yourself and jump in.
3: Hey guys, Uh, thanks for that, Noah. Appreciate it. Uh, You know, to, to speak from the standpoint of how this is showing up for me and showing up in my recovery, a couple of weeks back during a Saturday night speaker meeting, someone talked about love addiction. And I never heard about love addiction. It's the first time I ever heard about it. And yesterday I'm going through a breakup, 20 plus year marriage, and um, you know, I sort of went on Spotify and found a podcast episode about that idea. And it connected me to this notion of building a relationship with myself, which I don't know if I've ever had. I've certainly had very few opportunities through my lifetime to be alone myself so i think tonight in terms of the instruction this felt right point you know just felt right on point this idea that you know this practice i've been doing with recovery um has actually been you know priming the foundation around around some of these things yeah so so really appreciate that i do have a question and i don't i've been practicing buddhism you know sort of buddhism light i guess you could say since i was a teenager and i feel like it's changed my life over the past few years with having a a real meditation practice and really coming into that through recovery and through refuge Uh, this idea of being born into an additional life though a next life this idea of being non-theistic and where did that come from? Did the Buddha just have some awareness that this is how it worked, or I'll just leave it at that.
1: Um, thanks, Chris, and I'm glad that the uh, good timing for the loving kindness for your your process and your explanation your exploration around you know looking at love and love addiction and romantic love versus this sort of universal love that the Buddha is talking about and um. You know, re, rebirth, reincarnation. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know exactly where it came from. It uh, for the Buddha. There are some scholars that like want to reject it, since it was one of the things um, that the Buddha seemed to agree with Hinduism about. The Buddha disagreed with Hindu with Hinduism about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, Hinduism is pretty theistic, and the Buddha said no. Like this is a humanist, non theistic. Uh, you know, there's there's no sort of divine intervention that's going to enlighten us. We have to do all the work ourselves. So he disagreed with Hindus about a lot of stuff or Brahm, Brahmanic Indian tradition, but um, rebirth he included. He said, you know, I've I've seen through my own awakening that there's a process going on here beyond just this one lifetime. And, you know, there's a cycle of of birth and death. And one of the ways he even called enlightenment, you know, the third noble truth, what we call like recovery and awake, you know, healing, he called it the deathless, you know, that there's this process that leads to stopping the, the cycle of rebirth. I didn't put it very heavily into uh, the book. I don't, I don't even know if I really mentioned it in the Refuge Recovery book, because, you know, it's uh, it's hard to understand. And I don't think it's actually important for us to believe in or not believe in. Um, We'll see when we die. (laughs) Like that's sort of my kind of agnostic um, uh, approach to to reincarnation, rebirth Um, of like, who knows, we'll see. Uh, To me, it doesn't matter that much. Uh, What I know for sure is that the more I practice these meditations, this renunciation, uh, the inventories, the meetings, being of service, this, you know, the, has just transformed my life in this incarnation in such, you know, huge ways that, you know, if there's a, a next lifetime, okay. If there's not a next lifetime, okay. I'm not living for that sort of future uh, and uh, enlightenment or future, just for now, here. How am I showing up moment to moment today? And this, you know. Um, so I'm not sure why the you know the Buddha seemed to think that that was true. So you know that's that was that was his experience. He, you know, that was part of his awakening. He's like, yep, yeah, this is there's a, there's a process going on beyond this one lifetime. Um, here's the last thing I'll say about that. Uh, you know, we have this thing in refuge, and I think in all of Buddhism, where we say, No, no, no blind faith asked for. You don't have to believe anything, but see for yourself what's true. And uh, then we move into like a verified faith. Now, my own experience of practicing Buddhism for 34 years now is that. Um, I have verified through direct experience how mindfulness works, how loving kindness works, how compassion works, how living by the precepts and an ethical life is a better life. Um, I verified, like, you know, if Buddhism was A to Z, like all the way up to like LMNOP or something like that, like Buddhism feels like totally on point, true to me. I don't know about X, Y, Z. I'm not sure about reincarnation, but the dude, you know, like hasn't steered me wrong yet. <laughs> so I tend to have a little bit of uh, confidence that like oh, that that might be true. Not so important to me whether it's true or not personally. I hope that's helpful. I know that's not the clearest answer, but. No, that's really terrible. helpful. Thank okay. You. Emily.
0: OK, can you hear me? Yes. OK, um, so I am very new to this group. I'm actually just four days out of a rehab center and I happened upon this group um, in looking for groups in my area. So I'm and I i am 20 minutes late to the group because I just happened upon it. So sorry if you already asked for newcomers or if I am messing up the meeting etiquette that I'm unaware of that you set in the beginning. Um, but I just, what you said really resonated with me of um, not just being abstinent, but being free from suffering and loving kindness as relapse prevention. So um, anyway, I'll, uh, I'm interested to hear more about resources but I'll be quiet about that for now since I know the group is going on.
1: That's okay, um, Emily. I, I'll just uh, jump in real quick and say, welcome. And glad you, glad you found refuge recovery. Part of what you missed at the beginning was me um, reminding and letting everybody know that this is not a refuge recovery meeting. Refuge recovery meetings are peer led. And I encourage you to find one and you can probably log on to a Zoom meeting later tonight. You know, like after this, there's a Zoom meeting happening. So uh, to actually get a sense of what refuge recovery meetings are like, this is different. I'm the founder of it. I'm giving a teaching on it. Um, So um, in a refuge meeting, it would be much more peer led and um, you uh, should, should check that out and welcome. So I think the first resource is just the website that you already know about, Uh, Right. jump onto a zoom meeting and meet some of the people in the community. We call the community Sangha. It's the Buddhist word for fellowship or community. And uh, just join us. Welcome.
0: Thank you. I I found a meeting in my area, but I'm not sure how to verify if it's happening, but I'll, I'll figure that out on my own and not take up the group's time right now.
1: No problem. If it's, if it's listed, it should be happening. Okay. Um, if it's on the website because we cleaned up the the listings that that w- if we uh in any meetings that we found out weren't happening we've taken down so we believe that that meetings are happening if it's an in-person meeting and it's listed okay thanks you're welcome paul were you raising your hand okay go for it jump in
0: uh can you hear
4: me yep hey uh this is kind of a playful uh question but uh I was at the grocery store earlier and I was checking out hot sauces. And uh, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, that's really hot to the other guy. He's like, yeah, that that is hot. You only got one life to live, right? I'm like, "Um, I didn't want to say anything. And I'm like, okay, you believe what you believe, and I believe what I believe. But how would I address that? Like to him, just playfully, like, oh, did you ever think about reincarnation? Like, yeah, I do I just, I just been thinking about that all day since. Um, I
1: don't, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I've, <laughs> I guess I've probably been in that situation before too, where people are like, "Well, you only live once," or uh, what "Was it yeah. YOLO? <laughs> you know, fuck it, YOLO. You only live once." Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe you only live once. You only live this life one time right? You'll only be in this body and this mind and this you know yeah. lifetime yeah. once. <laughs> so that's really what people mean by that. Um, yeah. yeah, you're only going to have this experience once, this lifetime. Maybe there's future lives, who knows? Um, maybe not. You know? Yeah. I, also, yeah. I feel like, you know, you might be right. <laughs> maybe you're right. I don't know. If I could find it. How would we know? But, uh, you know, practicing Buddhism does encourage us to kind of be open-minded to uh, maybe that's not true. You know, maybe we have a whole bunch of lives, but um, you know, maybe that piece of like humble and not conceited. And, you know, the last thing we want to become is like that annoying Buddhist convert who's going around and like correcting everybody and being like, well, actually, from a Buddhist perspective, <laughs> um, you should have loving kindness for all living beings and all incarnate," you know, like, you know, you want to be that person in the grocery store lecturing the guy about the hot sauce and about how he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Noah. Yeah, so they're just that kind of playful, humble, kind of like, yeah, you might be right. Who knows? Mark, go ahead. This will be our last one, actually. I'm going to shut it down at six tonight.
4: Right. Thanks, Noah. I appreciate it. Um, just uh, touch on a couple things. Uh, for one, uh, you kind of wanted, uh, we should comment on how that's affected us. Some of us that have been doing it for quite a while now, you know, and I've been able to, uh, you know, use this as a recovery path. And then I also work in recovery and, um, taking that, um, you know, there's definitely the, there's definitely the difficult ones that are looking for a path and, you know, the, the frustration sometimes. I have to catch myself and bring myself back to, um, You know sharing that loving kindness sometimes where i go back into old behavior old thinking and stuff like that but the definitely i can see um the change from when i started um practicing buddhism and loving kindness uh practice to the way i react to everything in my life and i catch myself um, even when there's old uh negative soccer or negative uh, outlook at other people and i like the thing that, that the way you usually end you know may any any uh goodness that comes from our practice be shared out with all living beings and things like that you know because i do see the ripple effect you know there's a certain um certain uh recovery model that they push at a lot of treatment facilities it's a 12-step model but i've been able to have the freedom to share a little bit of our practice with people that that doesn't work for And so also affect those other beings out there. And, um, you know, just one more thing, on, uh, and, I'll, and I'll end with this, is that I'm not sure about the reincarnation thing, but I know just from the time I was young and trying to find something to now that I've lived many different lives in this lifetime. From the way I felt as a child, being married with the kids, from being in jail, being in, involved in addiction, and into recovery, just uh, you know, many lifetimes in this one. So, I'm just I value all of those as a learning experience. And I want to thank you for being my teacher. I really appreciate you.
1: Thanks, Mark. Good to see you.
4: You as well.
2: There's that the phrase in the um, Metta Sutta
1: that says, um, let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. And then it uses the uh, image of the ideal mother. It says, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Now, this can be a troubling image for some of us who didn't have an ideal parent, and maybe actually your mother abused you or um, you know wasn't loving and protecting and Um, But the intention here is the sort of the ideal loving parent who would protect and who would cherish and um, and trying to get that attitude. It's I don't know how many of you are parents, but it is much easier to love your own children than it is to love strangers. (laughs) It is way easier to love your own children than it is to love uh, your enemies. Um, and, you know, even when your children, I'm a parent and I'm sure many of you are parents, even when your children are uh, being jerks, you still love them, right? <laughs> even when they're being really difficult. Um, hopefully, I know this isn't always true for everyone. And some parents are so abusive and, and you know, that's true too. But uh, my experience anyways, is that, you know, as a parent, so much easier to love my kids than it is everyone else but i love this suggestion of try to be as loving to all living beings as the ideal parent is to their children and just taking that on with the humility that's like i fucking can't do it but i'm going to keep trying i'm going to try to be as patient with these people in my life as i am with my kids i'm going to try to be as patient and and loving and forgiving and uh kind to strangers as I am to my own kids. So consider that, consider taking that on as a practice, Um, radiating kindness over the entire world. And you might not mean it yet, and that's okay. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you, um, if you come back, I'll see you at the next one, which is first Thursday of November and um, go to meetings, do your inventories, mentor each other, uh, you know, be of service, Take, you know, start meetings, do all of those things to support this uh, program that we have. And uh, I do this class for free, obviously, uh, but Refuge Recovery is in need of support and of your generosity. Uh, maybe you donate when you go to meetings, maybe you don't, not a lot of the meetings are sending much money into World Services. If you'd like to leave a donation tonight, um, Michelle, thank you for your help tonight, and she has put in the chat uh, a link to the donation page. Um, Refuge Recovery could really use some financial support just to pay the the bills and the kind of uh, employees that we have and to to support the infrastructure of Refuge Recovery. So um, be as generous as you want to be and as you can be. Um, Think about becoming a monthly supporter. Some people are monthly supporters of Refuge where you just say, hey, I want to give 20 bucks every month to make sure that the nonprofit is getting some support. So please consider that. couple of refuge retreats coming up. There's a couple more spaces in the seven day refuge recovery retreat that I'll be teaching in New Mexico in November. So next month there's a seven day silent meditation refuge recovery retreat, couple spaces left in that. And then um, the next uh, opportunity is January. Nothing in December, but in January uh, in Oregon, uh, outside of Portland, um, uh, Pacific Northwest, there's a weekend retreat. January 13th through 15th. So we haven't really advertised it yet, but the registration is up on the website. Now you've heard about it. You can tell other people about it. You can register for that now. And um, uh, there's lots of different levels, You know, expensive for a single room, cheap for the dormitory. Um, but hopefully everybody can come and if uh, uh, we have some scholarship beds for as low as $200 to come for the weekend. So I hope that some of you can come to that and spread the, help me spread the word about the, the next Refuge Recovery January retreat. Um, and I have a whole bunch of retreats planned for next year that we'll start uh, opening for registration as soon as we solidify the, the plans. I'll be back on the East Coast and we're planning something in Oklahoma and uh, Pacific Northwest. And I'm, I'm looking for a good retreat center in the South, uh, maybe Texas or Mississippi, Alabama, you know, Louisiana, somewhere in the South so that uh, I can come to you and you don't have to always come to California (laughs) for these retreats. Um, Many goodness that comes from our practice and discussion of this Metta teaching the Buddha's Dharma, uh, be shared outward in all directions. Uh, May we end the suffering of addiction in our own lives. May we help support uh, other addicts in ending the suffering of addiction. And together may we create a positive change on this planet. Good to see everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank and, you, Paul. Uh, welcome, welcome. See you next time.
4: Thank, thank, you. thank
0: you so much. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.